0: We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1, all the way to chapter 4, verse 1, because that's a better division. The chapters, again, were not always exactly right. There's a few that can be an adjustment, a verse or a section. Uh, This is one of them. The message entitled, Natural Judgment is Often Divine Judgment. All of us are familiar with the phrase, history repeats itself, and that's that's applicable to everybody, whether in their life or civilization or a nation. A study of history shows that the great civilizations of the world have averaged about 200 years. The people of the world have followed this timetable, and it has been said uh, that the people go from slavery to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, and selfishness to apathy, and from apathy to dependency and from dependency back to bondage. Quite a statement, observing the civilizations of man. Our nation, in America, is no exception, but one of the, that fits the rule. Being only 244 years old, the careful observation will see that early warnings were given to us in the early 60s. In 1962, the Supreme Court in New York um, Uh, prayer case banned the saying of prayers. In 1963, the court banned the reading of the Bible in our public schools. Our national leaders and lawmakers at that time took a stand against everything this nation was founded on and stood for, resulting in the start of an onslaught of natural consequences that I believe are as much a part of God's judgment as those in the days of Isaiah. A person would have to be blind or willfully ignorant to deny it. Let me read our text for us, and then we're going to divide it up. Isaiah 3:1 to 4.1. For behold, the Lord, the Lord Yahweh, and the Lord of hosts, takes away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stock and the store, the whole supply of bread and the whole supply of water, the mighty man, the man of war, the judge of the prophet. Um, the diviner and the elder, the captain of 50, the honorable men, the counselor, the skillful artisan, the expert enchanter. I will give children to their princes, and babes shall rule over them. The people will be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. The child will be insolent towards the elder, and the base towards the honorable. When a man takes hold of his brother in the house of his father, saying, "'You have clothing,' You, you, be, uh, you be our ruler, and let these uh, ruins be under your power. In that day he will protest, saying, I cannot cure your ills, for in my house is neither food nor clothing. Do not make me a ruler of the people, for Jerusalem stumbled, and Judah is fallen, because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord, to provoke his, the eyes. Of his glory. The book, the look on their countenance, witnesses against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to their soul, for they have brought evil upon themselves. Say to the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their doing. Woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. As for my people, Children are their oppressors. Women rule over them. O my people, those who lead you cause you to err and destroy the way of your paths. The Lord stands up to plead and stands to judge the people. The Lord will enter into judgment with the elders of his people and his princes, for you have eaten up the vineyard. The plunder of the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people? And grinding the face of the poor, says the Lord God of hosts. Moreover, the Lord says, Because the daughters of Zion are haughty, and walk with outstretched necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go, making a jingling with their feet. Therefore the Lord will strike with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will uncover their secret parts. In that day... The Lord will take away the finery, the jingling anklets, the scarves, the crescents, the pendants, the bracelets, the veils, the headdress, the leg ornaments, the headbands, the perfume boxes, the charms, the, and the rings, the nose jewels, the fastened apparel, and the mantles, the outer garment, and purses, and the mirrors, the fine linen, the turbans, the robes, and so it shall be instead of sweet smell there will be stench, instead of a sash, a rope, instead of well-set hair, baldness, instead of a rich robe, a grinding of sackcloth, a girding of sackcloth, and branding instead of beauty. Your men shall fall by the sword, and your mighty in the war. Her gates shall lament and mourn, and she being desolate shall sit on the ground. And in that day Seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own food and wear our own apparel, only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. Quite a section in Isaiah. The judgment of God here against Jerusalem and Judah was manifested in the most natural consequences and is described through the prophet Isaiah in terms of the social dynamics characterized by three things. First, we have the reprisal for the social instability, verse 1 through 7 of chapter 3. Second, we have the reasons for social instability in verse 8 to 15 of chapter 3. And then thirdly, the reminder of the heart of social instability, verse 16 of chapter 3 to verse 1 of chapter 4. We begin with the reprisal for social instability. The first seven verses of chapter 3. Notice verse 1 through 3. God would remove the nation's resources. Mark it well. The basics for life would be removed. The context is the day of the Lord in the latter days, which began in chapter 2 and run till the end of chapter 4. Sometimes said, stated that day. 2-2, two, 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 12 Twenty and four one, it's found. That gives you the section. Now notice the prophecy has a short-term fulfillment. Assyria and Babylon would be the short-term fulfillment of this. The prophecy has a long-term fulfillment of the seven-year tribulation before the Lord's return upon the earth, the Day of the Lord. So, prophecy often has short-term and long-term. Now, the one doing the removal, notice, is the Lord of Hosts. The term is used by Isaiah throughout his book, over and over again. The term identifies God as the captain of the armies of heaven, who is the one fighting against them. The Lord of hosts is one who fights against others, and he's never lost a battle. He fights against his own people because they had become unfaithful. Now, the first word for Lord, all capital letters, is Yahweh. The second is Lord, Adonai, capital L, small o, o, small R, small D. So Yahweh is the covenant name that he was to be known by his people. And the second Adonai is equivalent to Kurios in the Greek. And so the covenant God and the one who is master and owner of the nation, of the people of God. Now, notice the Lord, will take away the stock and the store. Referring to the thoroughness of it, all the supplies, everything, from the whole supply of bread to the whole supply of water, from Jerusalem to Judah. Look at verse 2. The basics for government would be removed also. The mighty men of war, both soldier officers, will be taken away. The judges and prophets, those who administer justice and call the leaders back to it, the diviner and the elder, those of the cultic insight and experience, here again you see the mixture of truth and error. They have the worship of Yahweh, embracing everything and just calling it the worship of Yahweh. Corrupt occult, joined with God's people. Now look at verse 3. The basics for military strength would be also removed. This is an incredible chapter. The captain of 50, those who are officers over the troops. The honorable men, those of character that are looked up to. The counselor, the skillful artisan, and the expert enchanter, refers to the advisors of the state, along with inquiry of of secret arts and the enchantments through mediums. Once again, you have the nation who has mingled with the occult, with idolatry, and they still worship God. That's a contradiction. Once again, they had integrated God's truth with the practices of the land, and you can find that in chapter 2, verse 6 also. God warned them before they entered the land through Moses not to do that, but here they are. Now notice in verse 4 and 5, God would replace their leaders next with unqualified individuals. This is God's judgment on his people. Their leaders would be inexperienced and self-centered. Verse 4, God would give them children to be their princes, referring to boys or youth who had not um, proven competent to lead, inept, kind of like in our nation today, to an extent. God would give them babes to rule over them, referring to capricious ones, unreasonable, and self-will. Look to our Congress, look to our Senate, look to our politicians today in America. Verse 5, their local people would be ruthless, There would be violent oppression of the people by the people, neighbor against neighbor, a form of anarchy. Look at our nation, divided, fractured. Anarchy has started already. It began in Washington, D.C. Due to the lack of consequences on the guilty, due to no power in the ruling authorities, The lack of consequence will always destroy authority in every case. So when you decriminalize the law, when you do not punish evil people, then you destroy all authority and you put society at risk and in danger. And God's judgment falls sooner or later. There would be no respect towards those of authority and in authority. Notice the child would be insolent and arrogant towards the elder. What a parallel to our nation. The elder refers to the age, the gray hair, the hoary head, as the old King James says. The base towards the honorable, the base where the lightly esteemed, those who were not honorable would not honor those who deserved honor. A Backward society. Turns to paganism disorder. Look at 6 and 7. Their local homes would have no confident heads. One would ask his brother to lead. In verse 6, the brother would refuse by virtue of the fact that he was in the same impoverished condition. In verse 7, this is God's direct judgment upon the nation. What's written in, our, in the scriptures are for our learning and for our admonition, the Bible says. You know, Benjamin Frank on the speech at the Continental Convention said this, and I'm quoting, quote, God governs the affairs of men. I also believe that without his uh, concurring aid, we shall succeed in the political building no better than the builders of Babel. We shall be divided by our little, partial, local interests. Our projects will be confounded, and we ourselves shall become a reproach and a byword down to future ages. Wow. Looking back, he spoke as a prophet. Look at our nation. The majority of Americans do not even believe in the Constitution. They don't know it. How we have seen our nation and national independence that rode away in the last 60 years. The automotive industry has been lost to the Japanese market. The oil embargo that took place in the early 70s with gas lines it moved us to smaller cars. We didn't learn. We went back to big cars. Oil's a problem again. Now, by, this, um, by the present administration, we've been some relief, but we've got other problems. The American industry exports raw material out of the country and then imports it back as product. By that definition, we're a colony of the country that sends it back. Now, again, thank God for President Trump, who has brought back many jobs, but the problems are still there. They've been there for too long. Our governmental leaders of character have been slowly but surely removed. Our assemblymen and congressmen are caught in receiving bribes and embezzlements. Our city councilmen are, take drugs while in office. Our police officers at times are worse than those that are arresting. Our ex-president Bill Clinton debated with the Congress on the definition of sexual relations with Monica Lewinsky. How embarrassing. Obama spent more than all the previous presidents put together. Amazing. Our military strength has been diminished and weakened consistently till the present administration. By scaling down our military and closing bases it began, by integrating women with men, demoralizing, distracting, and dividing the men, by the lax attitude in our soldiers' character, conduct, and consequences, and then simply denying the problem that exists. The cold-blooded and callous violence that is an everyday occurrence here in our nation, our streets, is undeniable. Violence, incest, lack of parental guidance or supervision, is the rule of our day. Innocent children are shot by drive-by gangbangers without second thought. A stray bullet kills a two-year-old, a nine-month-old. They hold bold res- disrespect for parents and all other authority in everywhere, the youth. The liberal permissiveness of our educational system equips and facilitates our children to live a depraved and godless life without regards to the parents. They have taken authority away from parents. Listen to Psalm 127.1. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. This was the reprisal for their social instability. Second comes the reasons for the social instability. Once again, the parallel to our nation are inescapable as we go through them. Verse 8 to 15. In verse 8, their spiritual state was degenerated. The first reason is their speech against the Lord. In verse 8, their tongue utters words against God and his word. That's an everyday thing in the United States. Certainly in the public school education, the universities, even in Congress, even in the House. The proclamation of their obedience is a contradiction to their lives. How many people in America say they're Christians? They live like the devil. These were the reasons for Jerusalem stumbling and Judah falling The second reason comes next. It's for their deeds against the Lord. The words, not the deeds. They keep coming to the temple, offering sacrifices. They keep seeking God's face as if he would listen. They worship other gods and practice their abominations, desecrating the course of God's temple. God is watching this. He's seeing it all. The third reason is at the end of eight. The provocation of the eyes of his glory, God's glory. They tempt God by going beyond the boundaries that he has set up. Children will test parents. Parents, don't disappoint your children. When you tell them if you cross the line, there are consequences, please bring the consequences. Otherwise, you destroy your own authority. They tampered with God's holiness, chapter 1, verse 4 told us. Next, notice verse 9. Their moral state was disintegrated. Their faces revealed their guilt in verse 9. The look on their countenance witnesses against them. It is amazing how sin marks a person's face throughout life. Their boasting of sin is openly. Verse 9, they declare their sin as Sodom. They do not hide it. How flagrant today the homosexual community, lesbian community, the LGBTQ. As if this is the norm, it is not the norm. It is a depraved, degenerated form of lifestyle. Contrary to truth and error. Contrary to the different sex of male and female, very distinct. Their judgment is by their own doing. Look at nine there at the end. Woe to their soul, for they have brought evil upon themselves. God is only honoring their decision. He gives them over to their depravity. Now look at verse 10 through 12. Next comes their ethical state, it was decayed. The righteous were in their midst. Verse 10 Say to the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their doing. In verse 11, the wicked were the problem. Woe to the wicked. It shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hand shall be given him, literally done to him, sowing and reaping. God makes no mistakes. God is absolutely perfect and the epitome of holiness. He knows everything. He cannot learn anything. Nothing escapes him. And when he judges, he judges righteously. Look at verse 12. The clear dividing lines of children and adults or men's roles and women's were blurred, the LGBTQ. As for my people, Children are their oppressors. Wow, what a parallel to America. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. That's quite a statement for a nation. It's a weak nation, it's a dishonorable nation. We see it in our own nation the headship of women, the leadership of women above men. The men of the United States have been neutered. They take the back seat. Notice what he says, Oh, my people, those who lead you, cause you to err and destroy the way of your paths. Look at 13 through 15. The political state was self-serving. The political arena, the politicians, the ones that are supposed to be civil servants, the governors, the uh, assemblymen. Verse 13 the Lord is the one to control his case or to contend his case here to judge the people. Notice that. Like a prosecuting attorney, he stands to charge and cross examine the accused. The scene was set in the first chapter. It's a court scene. God is the judge and prosecutor of them. Notice in fourteen still, the Lord will enter into argument against the elders and princes for benefiting only themselves of the nation. For you have eaten up my vineyard. The robbers, they're thieves. 14, still the Lord will enter into judgment against the elders and princes for plundering the poor and taking their goods for their own houses. Amazing. The plunder of the poor is in your houses. They would steal from them and take it to their house. Amazing. Look at 15, the Lord would enter into judgment with the elders and princes for their cruelty and uncompassion. What do you mean by crushing my people? and grinding the faces of the poor, says the Lord God of hosts. The Lord God of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven, he's the one against them. He's not only the judge, the prosecuting, but he's the captain of heaven who's going to fight against them and send them into captivity and bring punishment upon them. Amazing. In the case of the United States versus McIntosh in 1931, In the United States Supreme Court, the Supreme Justice declared the following regarding a Canadian who was applying for naturalization in the United States. I'm quoting, we are a Christian people, according to one another, the equal rights of religious freedom, and acknowledging with reverence the duty of obedience to the will of God. Wow. When was this? 1931, not that long ago, which we had more Supreme Court judges like that. This was 140 years after the ratification of the Constitution. Those in leadership then still depended and trusted the Bible, the Judeo-Christian principle for the norm of society, objective truth, not subjective truth. 140 years Yet the court was still articulating its message of its spiritual commitment to God. We've lost our way in America. The condition of a person's spiritual life is the most important in life in order to know truth. That's why the church is to teach the people the word of God, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. That they not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. They know truth from error. They grow in their stature in Christ Jesus. The moral character of a person will never be greater than his God, small g. There's only one God with a capital G, Jesus Christ, and he's moral, he's holy, he's the savior of the world. The God of this world is Satan, 2 Corinthians 4.4. The ethical judgments for life will have to declare that there is a right and a wrong or that there is no right or no wrong. Isaiah 5, 20 through 21, they call evil good and good evil. Either you're gonna know absolute truth and make a distinction between good and evil, or you're gonna confuse them and make them like today. Relativism, it doesn't matter. It could be right, it could be wrong. It depends on the individual, no standard. Very dangerous society. The politicians who embrace a spiritual, moral, and ethical, biblical base will have a sense of accountability to God. They will make decisions much different than those who do not. They will conduct themselves differently. They will have a sense of responsibility towards God and the people. Those that do not, they're accountable to themselves and they don't really care. Isaiah 6, 5 makes this very, very clear. Woe is me, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. When a man sees God, he will see the evil in himself, and he will revere the God of the Bible, and he will live his life before God. So these were the reasons for their social instability. What a parallel to our nation! Now notice Thirdly, comes the reminder of the heart of social instability. Verse 16, all the way to verse 1 of chapter 4. In verse 16, the women were given to sensuality. Think of our nation as we go through this. They were seeped in pride. That's the first thing. Moreover, the Lord Yahweh says, because the daughters of Zion are haughty, they were parading themselves to see who would and could notice them and walk with outstretched necks and wanton eyes. Look at me. It's all about their sensual uh, attraction, what they're wearing, how they can, they're like bait going fishing. They were clever ways to call attention to themselves by swaying their bodies. You ever see those girls on the catwalk? Same kind of stuff. Walking and mincing as they go. They use any and every dress ornament to attract men. Sixteen still. Making a jingling with their feet. Accessories. Next comes the women They were preoccupied with the latest fashions which the Lord would take away. Verse 18 to 23. In 18, in that day, that's the day of the Lord, short term, Assyria, Babylon, long term, the tribulation, great tribulation. In that day, the Lord will take away the finery, the jingling anklets, the scarves, and the crescents, all these accessories that They were costly and, and people would awe and would covet them. Verse 19, the pendants, the bracelets, and the veils. In 20, the headdresses, the leg ornaments, the headbands, and let's not forget the perfume boxes, the charms. These were little amulets to to attract people through charms, through witchery or sorcery, little, little images you would wear and that would believe in the occult. Verse 21, and the rings, this is the nose jewels, not like on our fingers, the festal apparel and the mantles and the outer garments, the purses, 22 nothing has changed ladies the whole accessories women girls are expensive as daughters you got to have the dress you got to have the matching shoes and all the accessories and everything else with a boy you get jeans and a t-shirt and some sneakers and that's it ready to go amazing but this is out of control as it is in our nation Verse 23, and the mirrors, oh, we can't forget the mirrors. The fine linen, the turbans, and the robes. Way back then, even in Genesis, it spoke about Sarah having a mirror. Amazing. Now, the women were to be humbled, God says. Verse 17, 24 down to verse 1. 17 says, The Lord would give them up to captivity. He's talking about the women here. Rather than being decorated with their hair ornaments, the Lord would strike them with a scab on the crown of their head of the daughters of Zion. Verse 17. The implication being that they would want to hide their heads. 17 still, rather than having the latest fashions to Tempt and allure men, the Lord would uncover their secret parts, stating they would be carried off naked to captivity in shame to the slave market. Wow. 24, the Lord would exchange their latest fashions with a loathsome disposition. It says, and so it shall be, instead of a sweet smell, there will be a stench, no perfume, putrid smell. Instead of a sash, here, take a rope. Instead of well-set hair, baldness, shaven, wow. Instead of a rich robe, a girding of sackcloth, itchy, coarse irritating to the skin, which, by the way, was used to as a form of humiliating yourself, humbling yourself before God and repentance. But they weren't repenting. And branding instead of beauty with a hot iron, slave, property of so-and-so. Notice in verse 25 and 26, and then verse 1 of 4. In 25, the Lord here would uh, destroy their men in these sections. In 25, your men shall fall by the sword, and you're mighty in the war. For the judgment of God, he removes protection. He's actually fighting against them. Helping the enemy. Her gates, verse 26, shall lament and mourn, and see, she being desolate, shall sit in the ground. The nation is conquered. The nation is desolate. Sometimes people think, oh, God would never use Russia or China against us. Really? Well, look at the coronavirus right now. Where did it start? China. China and Russia are key players for the last days. God used Babylon to punish Israel. Habakkuk the prophet says, Lord, you're showing me all this evil. I don't understand it. And you're doing nothing. And God told Habakkuk, I'm doing something. But if I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't believe me. And Habakkuk said, hey, I'm your prophet. Tell me, God. And God says, all right. I'm going to take Babylon, a more wicked nation, and I'm going to judge and chasten my people through them. Habakkuk said, I can't believe I told you. God is holy. God warns to those who much is given, much more is required. Our nation, America, has had a great privilege. All you have to do is go to Washington, D.C. and read the scriptures on every monument. Down in the south, in the major universities, Princeton, Yale, all of them, they were Christian universities to send out Christian missionaries to the world no longer. They mock at the gospel. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 4. And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, we will eat our own food and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. They're concerned about themselves again. There's no repentance, there's no acknowledgement of wrong. They simply wanna just escape the condition and the situation. Not having a husband in marriage is implied here. Marriage is no longer considered necessary by women in the United States to have sex or children. They see themselves as free to be able to have sex with whoever and whenever and as often without any constraint, marriage is outdated. It binds you. It it, uh, it, 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 it takes away your freedom, they say. They want pleasure without commitment. They want pleasure without responsibility or accountability. Marriage is viewed as a limitation on a woman's person, stifling them, not bearing children, both of which today women seek not to have. Children are aborted to not interrupt the woman's pursuit, be it education, be it work, whatever it may be, career or just her own pleasure. Children are considered a liability today. They cost too much, and they cost too much trouble, and they take too much time. We have become unnatural as a nation in every way. Though we still have a great number of Christians, the United States was never a Christian nation. It's a nation that was built on Christian Judeo principles, And the Constitution was written in the spirit and in the source of the God of the Bible. But we've moved away from it. We have destroyed it. We have turned our backs upon God. Allow me to give you some statistics that were presented on Channel 7 on July 30th of 1986 on a special call after the sexual revolution. It basically looked at the social and economic changes that have affected the family and the consequence of the last uh, 30 years of our sowing. And 30 years goes from 86, um, from uh, 50 to 86. That would be the 30, or 56 to that, the 30 years. And I'm quoting now, the opening statement by a woman. The greatest of gifts is freedom of self-expression. My personal life has taken a shape that I give it, and I like it, because I, choo- I choose it. That means that you are the constant innovator of yourself that is an enormous freedom," she said. The last 50 years, women have entered the largest number of the workforce. This began with, a, with women's suffrage in the early 1900s. In 1920, the 19th Amendment guaranteed vote to women, nothing's wrong with that, just pointed it out, thought um, that uh, they were being limited and to an extent, so the voting's not wrong. But then in 1940, World War II, women became the workforce by necessity because of war. But many of them never went back to the home. They stayed in the workforce. In the 50s, the male was the breadwinner. In the 60s, came social liberation, so-called. In 1963, Equal Pay Act for Women. 1973, March for Movement exploded. And we can go on through the 80s and 90s 2,000 to the 220 where we're at today. Again, we're not speaking against equal pay. We're not speaking about equality within the opportunity. But too much of opportunity today has been given to the minorities because of the affirmative action of having 1% or equal percentage. And many times jobs or admission to schools have been given because of color or race. And it's absolutely wrong. The person who can meet the requirement of that job, the one that can do the best job, that's the one that should get the job, whether they are male, female, black, white, yellow, brown, it makes no difference. But we cry out equality, and yet we mess it up with partiality. Amazing. We have become a nation of tolerance and political correctness in order to please the people while grieving God. We have become a nation that does not value its women, willing to make them equal to men, which they're not. There's a big difference between a man and a woman. One's stronger, the other one weaker. One bears children, the other one uh, conceives, uh, uh, produces a child. One can bear much more physical work than the other. The difference is night and day, male and female. But we have not valued them. We're willing to make them equal to men, even willing to send them into battle, which is atrocious, a cowardly nation who will send women into battle. The enemy can't wait to get a hold of them, horrible. The greatest increase of crime, violence, radical behaviors—not in men, but in women of our nation—we have seen the very progressive and certain destruction of the American home by the absenteeism of mothers in the home and the confusion of the sex roles. Listen to Proverbs 14:34: Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin it's a reproach to any people: American, Mexican, Canadian, Russian, Chinese, black, white, any people. Do we think that God's going to wink at our sin? We have aborted 61 million babies since Roe versus Way in 1973. That alone. should bring God's judgment on us. And so this is the reminder of the heart of social instability. What a passage. The prophet Isaiah is warning the nation about the judgment to come. And I think God would warn us in America about the judgment to come. The judgment of God against Jerusalem and Judah was manifest in the most natural consequences described through the prophet Isaiah in terms of the social dynamics as we've seen, much like our own nation. Here are the three. The reprisal for social stability was the removal of resources and leaders. What a parallel. The reasons for social instability were spiritual, moral, and ethical breakdown. We have no morals, no ethics in America, no character. The reminder of the heart of social instability was the woman's degeneracy. Look around, look around. Women are more perverted than men. They're more aggressive than men. They try to prove to be equal, they can speak as nasty, live as nasty, and boast about it just like men did and do. And so may God give us wisdom, even as we're going through this coronavirus. Is this of God? I don't know. Certainly God allows natural consequences to come. It's judgment. It did in Isaiah's day. Why would we think it's any different today? God's the same. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace, your love and goodness. We thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, you continue to just deal with our hearts. We lift up our nation, our leaders, and we pray that they would repent, that, Lord, they would turn to you. We pray that your people would turn to you and they would live that word out. And, Father, help us to be examples and to pray, intercede. Lord, protect us. Watch over us, Lord, our children, our grandchildren, our wives. Lord, we just thank you. We love you. Lord, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're out there watching, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you to hear or to look at the live streaming. He died for your sins. He rose from the dead. And that is the only way you can be justified. If you believe that, then you can call upon him and be saved. He'll forgive you of your sins. Repentance is an acknowledgement that you are a sinner and that you are an enemy of God and that he alone can forgive you of your sins and make a new creature of you and make you a son of God you don't need us, it's you and God a simple prayer of repentance, Lord forgive me for all my sins I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior give me a brand new heart baptize me with your spirit Accept you as Lord and Savior in Jesus' name.